0: Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, we submit to you. uh, In your ways, and your word, would you um, speak through me this afternoon that would enable us all to grow in faith, in love, and hope uh, that we may be changed uh, more like Christ. Father, help us to understand what's going on in the world, that we may speak life and truth to it. Jesus, we give you glory in this place. Amen. Amen. So, we are, uh, I think, up to session five of Freedom in Christ. A um, bit of a very quick re- recap. We talked about the fact that we're in Christ, uh, that the Father is for us, and not against us. We are new creations, as Caroline talked talk to us about. Not being potatoes, we are gazelles. <laughs> and, yes. um, completely other. A couple of weeks ago, Dave came to us and talked about faith and about choosing truth. Uh, And about doing this daily. And I've got the joyous title of, um, uh, I guess, We're in a Battle is the title I'm going to give it today. We are in a battle. Um, So I'm going to read one verse quickly from Ephesians and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. So it says this in Ephesians 6 For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And there's two things that come directly from this passage, if you like. Um, firstly, if it's got flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. It's got flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. And the second thing this verse thing talk, talk, talks about actually is there is an enemy. So the first thing is if it's got flesh and blood, as in it's one of us, it's not your enemy. It, it might cause you trouble, it may aggravate you, um, it may wind you up, uh, it may pick at you, it may do all sorts of things, they, people might do these things, but they're not your enemy. There is an enemy out there uh, at the higher places we are. In a war zone, we're in a battle that is going on. Uh, and that's the, th- the first thing I want to kind of bring out. is that we need to... Oh, it's right? <laughs> It's my love my internet. Oh, really? Okay. It sounds like there's a green button to me. Yes. don't That's quite an important alarm. You get, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it goes off even if I just switched it switch Okay. So. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, so... So it's important to realise that that whatever we talk about in terms of theology, in terms of our life, there's always a bigger picture going on. There's always something happening in the spiritual realms. Um, There is a battle going on between principalities and powers, is how one person talks about it. About the angelic host, about things going on. 1 Peter goes on to say, Stay alert, watch out, your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Again, very simply, that the Church Fathers had this idea, um, backed up in Scripture and revealed by the Holy Spirit, that we are in a war, that they are uh, we need to stay alert. We need to keep actively working on, um, staying awake to that presence of what's out there. So we now turn to 1 John 2, which is where you should be, with that background knowledge. 1 John 2. And I'm reading from verse 15. 1 John 2, verse 15. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. The verse we're zooming on is sixteen, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and a pride in our achievements and possessions. When we break this down, this, this gives us a real key about how actually Satan works in the world. How the enemy comes at us. Um, it is of one of three ways. A craving of physical pleasure, or a lust of life. <laughs> lust of the flesh, sorry. Lust of the flesh. A craving for everything we see, the lust of the eyes. Or pride in our achievements and possessions. A pride of life. Satan's aim in everything he does in the battle that we uh, find ourselves in, in is to remove our eyes from Jesus. Can he tilt our vision away from Jesus, even by a degree? Uh, which is why Hebrews, the article to Hebrews goes on about the fact that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to be keep locked in. Because Satan will try and deviate our, our vision from that position. Because he knows if he can, we start to doubt God's goodness. If he takes our eyes off Jesus in any type of way, we get a fake Jesus um, we start to doubt whether or not he loves us we start to doubt whether or not actually he's good um, we find phrases like did God really say coming into it did, did God really say he loves you did God really say he'll forgive you did God really say that everything's okay with between you and I now and Satan will use these things the physical pleasure, the craving of everything we see and the pride of our achievements to, to move us off um, kilter if you like move us off centre I should just say just quickly on this bit here that what I think what John is talking about in this is do not love these things. Occasionally I've heard people talk about sort of possessions or wanting things or wanting or celebrating achievements like we had last night, celebrating the boys' achievements football. But sometimes it feels like you have to be incredibly humble all the time and and kind of self-loathing as a Christian. And that's not what this is about. This is actually to say, if you love these things more than God, there's an issue. If these things take your eyes off Jesus, there's an issue. I found this recently, I haven't quite unpacked all this um, fully, but I was sharing with a friend the other day about how there's a new kind of thing that happens, quite a lot on social media, um, a lot of books written about, about thankfulness. Um, There's there's a hashtag out recently called Attitudes for Gratitude, that was right, wasn't it?
1: Attitude of Gratitude.
0: Attitude of Gratitude. And on the the, the whole, it, it sounds like a good thing, be thankful. But the issue, I've, I've kind of started to kind of dig a bit deeper. The issue I find with it is, if I, for example, one of the things I love is coffee. I love coffee. The coffee's amazing, and it's a, it's a great thing. Now, I could be thankful for the cup of coffee. I can say thank you to the coffee. But it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a non-relational transaction, if you like. There's nothing in that. I can say that coffee, I love you, you're amazing, you make you feel amazing, the rest of it. But it, it doesn't invite me into a relationship. Biblical thanksgiving gives thanks to the source of the coffee. And actually the world is buying into a thankfulness which actually does release something and it, it lifts us slightly, but it's it's not the full package. Because it, it's just being thankful for, for things, it's being thankful for the things we see, it's being thankful for the things we do or other people do for us. Well biblical thanksgiving has the dimension of God in it. Um, so it, it's completely one way but once we add God into it it gives thanks for those things and thanks for the things that God has given us and thanks to the source thanks for creating this amazing drink or coffee or whatever it 's going to be we're invited into a relationship with God because it, it stirs me to, to talk to my father in heaven it stirs me to give thanks to people on earth it, there's a, there's an upward down transaction before there 's an outward one and I think that's it, they're the sort of things we need to get into our head as we um, start wrestling with the world in which we live is to understand the source of that, if that makes sense. So to be thinking, okay, maybe I do want, you know, I want to go on holiday or maybe I want a new job. I need a job, you know. <laughs> but there's, there's not wrong desires, but if they become, take over our, our love of God, our understanding, giving thanks for those situations, um, then that, there's an issue. The Bible talks about the fact that we have we have been given the ability to make money, running a business, running our own things is not not wrong to do something like that. But what it talks about is that acknowledging God in those things. So we acknowledge God in our friendships. We acknowledge God in um, bringing out our uh, giving us jobs, uh, giving us homes, giving us places. But we acknowledge the source of our of our hope in one sense, because that keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus. We take the things, we, we, that, and that's the battle. That's the daily battle, the daily choice we'll have in these, um, over these things. That actually, the, Satan will put these things in front of us that, we, that could lead us astray, but actually we say, no, I'm thankful for that. That's a good thing. I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to declare God's goodness over that. I'm going to give thanks to the source for that thing um, that brings joy to my life. Um, when we, when we take that aside when we start to doubt that God's goodness or whether or not he doesn't have our best interests at heart, we start to act like Adam and Eve. We go back to that fallen state, if you like. We go back to the place where actually we try and solve problems ourselves. We go in, inwardly to try and uh, rectify it, to try and solve it wherever possible. But we try and do it on our own on, on, on accord, rather than actually acknowledge that God is good. The good news is that Jesus came to solve all of this. Jesus came to solve all of this and through his peace he does so. And the biblical word for peace is shalom. Shalom. It comes from the root verb shalom, actually, which um, it means to be complete, perfect or full. Not necessarily the absence of war, Um, Uh, or conflict. It's about wholeness. Um, It's about security. It's about knowing who we are and who God is. It occurs about 250 times in the Old Testament. Uh, and In Psalm 35, we find out that God takes delight in the wholeness of his people, of his children. God is pleased when we find freedom. God is pleased when we we find peace. Because he knows that being at war, being... um, intention in ourselves and trying to deal with things our own way or trying to fill our fill our hole if you like fill fill the vacuum with the flesh the eyes and the pride of life is it won't bring us the peace that he's secured in christ for us Um, isaiah 53 talks about the fact that jesus will bring this peace through the cross the angels at the birth of jesus understood that jesus was going to be the great peace bringer they called out glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. That's in Luke 2. Just as the saving power of Jesus' death and resurrection makes it possible for us to have peace with God, the indwelling of his life and character through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is intended to help us learn to abide in the peace of God. We are in a, in a war zone that people are trying to fill their lives with things that they think will fix it. Uh, we are being pulled aside by Satan in all his ways to make us not think of Jesus. And the battle, the choice we have in it is to submit to his lordship and live in the peace of Jesus that He bought and fought for us. So last week I talked a little bit about Jesus said to his disciples in John fourteen, I'm leaving you the gift, peace of mind and heart. And I talked about the fact that it wasn't, it wasn't a works thing we had to try and do. It was a gift from Jesus. It was living in the goodness of his life, his death, and his resurrection. If you could turn to Romans chapter 5. So it's Romans chapter 5. I'm going to go from verse 12. So this is 5, verse 12 onwards. I'm going to read quite a chunk of it and unpack a bit more um, as we go. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because they would not let any law to break. Still, everyone died, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not obey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many for through through the other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to, be, to being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, who live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeys God, many become sinners. Because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Just so, sorry, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, I wonder, well, there's not much... To be said about it, it says it all on the tin. Um, death through Adam, life through Christ. Through the first, through the first Adam, um, sin, death, destruction. Through the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, life. I love that the New, the new Living Translation talks about God's wonderful grace. Um, I can just read
1: it from the message? You can, yes. Um, it. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all into this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it but more than just getting us out of trouble, he helped, he, sorry, more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. It's not just, not, you know, it's not just the opposite, it's so much more than that. And this talks about sin doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. I like aggressive forgiveness as (laughs) a phrase. because
0: it's it's so much bigger than just not death. Yeah, it's a yeah. un- whole other Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, mm-hmm. Suze. Yeah. Um, yeah, that yeah, aggressive forgiveness. one of the, um I like many of Melanie's ballads, but the one I love is the grace one that, that comes out from I, was, I think it's amazing grace, outrageous Audacious. Audacious, audacious. audacious yeah. grace. And there's loads of words in front of it just extravagant, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was in there. I've nicked it a couple of times for a prayerful photo if you and <laughs> again. Grassy. Aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love that kind of, almost that you can put a superlative across everything in front of grace mm-hmm. all the time, that's just wonderful, it's amazing. You can't uh, over speak grace, um, it's a very much a foundation of what we are as Mosaic, we are very much a grace community I guess, we talk about the grace of God, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Um, and this, this chapter unpacks this in, 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 in great detail, but it is about that aggressive grace. It's the gracious gift, the wonderful grace, the aggressive forgiveness um, of Jesus. So through death, death came through Adam, through his ways, his choices, and his worldview, if you like. And that's the, I guess, our default mode, if you like. Our broken mold, mode is to go back to that world, um, to be trapped by that um, but our choices and what Jesus paid for um, is life through Christ. Through his ways, through his choices, through his worldview, uh, we have been transferred into the kingdom of light. As Caroline said, we were potatoes and we're now gazelles, and it, it takes us a while to get into that. And that's a daily battle and a daily fight in what we do. Um, and we must actually work to see fruit. Um, it is about grace. But there's an element that we have to um, gird our loins, I think is the phrase of the, of the New Testament, about actually making choices in these things to, to pursue God, to, to, um, to pursue his blessing, to ask him for things. Jesus says, ask, knock, seek, about go on doing these things. We can't just expect it all to be fixed. The bat- there's a battle going on. And once we realise that there's a battle going on, uh, it helps us unpack a little bit about what is going on. There's a brilliant um, section of scripture, oh, it's all brilliant, but there's a, in Daniel 9, where we, we find out that Daniel prays, and it takes God, or 20, it takes, it takes 21 days for a messenger to come from heaven to give Daniel his answer to the prayer, because, as, as the angel unpacks, he's, he's, he says, yeah, I was in a battle with the prince of Persia, I was trying to get, to the moment you prayed, I was on my way, but it's taken me 21 days to get through the heavenly battle to come with, with the message. And we talked a little bit last week about the fact that sometimes we ask God for stuff and nothing comes back. And we default to, God's not talking to me. Because that's what Satan will want you to go to. Satan will want you to doubt, is God good enough? Did God really say? But that chapter unpacks the fact that actually God may have answered, but it's taking now time to get to you. And that ambiguity is difficult for some people to, to live in because we want answers straight away. We, we click Google and Google comes up with the 10 things we need. And, and there is a battle going on that we have to be aware of. There are fights going on that we, we don't know of. There are stories of, of people praying for people in different countries that are seeing angels battle in front of them because I've come because someone's prayed. There are huge battles going on around us all the time. And in that, it's important not to be fearful, because Jesus is the conqueror. Jesus is the victory. Jesus, we know how the story ends, as um, great boy talks about. Um, we can read the end of the story to find out it's all okay. And there are casualties along the way, and life sucks, and all the rest of it that goes on. And life is painful. But Jesus is good. And that's the bit we must come back to. Uh, I, said, I spoke a little bit last week about the fact that you know I've lost many good friends to cancer and other people have. We've got great stories of cancer. For every one of those, we'll have another one we don't know. And there are, there are ambiguities of why don't things don't happen. And sometimes we don't know. Um, but the truth is that God is always good. And that's the, the rock of it. We must come back to that sort of thing. That God is good. That God's grace um, has transformed for this. From the Adam's world, if you like, into Christ's world. And we have to keep fighting over that. And it's God's grace that does that. It's God's grace that carries us. It's God's grace that restores us. He gives us peace. And we keep acting in that. But we're not working for God's favour. We're working from God's favour. We're not working for God's favour. We're working from God's favour and grace. We're not trying to twist his arm... Um, Jesus talks about in Matthew 6 about the fact, you know, don't go on babbling like the pagans do. <coughs> Ask and your father will hear you. Jesus hears as God hears as God acts. Um, because he loves us and it's out of his love and out of his relationship he acts. Uh, out of his grace. So as we surrender <coughs> and, uh, to, his, uh, to his word, to him, to his ways, uh, we allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts, as it says in Colossians. So, we let God's peace act over decisions we make, uh, over the doubts we have that may disturb us, over the lies that Satan continues to throw at us. Perfect peace is available when the heart and mind keep focused on God's promise, God's power, and God's presence. Perfect peace is available when the heart and mind keep focused on God's promise of who He is, God's power about what He's done and God's living presence in us right now. So there's three questions I'd like us to um, just quickly work through, actually, but as we've kind of controlled this thing to a close. Um, so can you give, me, yeah, you give me... If you know the scripture perfectly, that's great. Um, it says somewhere, we'll be fine. Um, that's my normal go-to translation. I'm sure it says somewhere in the Bible, to this. this. Um, give me a few things about what God has said about you about the world. What has God said? Didn't he say let there be light? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking more about what he said, what he declared over us. What has God said over over us as as, as his children? He loves us. He loves us, brilliant. Okay? So God loves us. He has plans for us. Plans for us? He sings over us. Sings over us. Chalters us. Chalters us. Chalters us, brilliant, thank you. Don't listen to the lives. The yes, that, yeah. I'll oh, do yeah.
1: That Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is praying for us.
0: In my hand of the Father. Yeah. Mm. You will have trouble. You will have trouble, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's There's a declaration that actually there will we'll be... We're in, a, we're in a battle, we're in a war zone. So. You know, in the yeah. book of Romans... Um, Romans will do Um, God talks about that we cannot be separated from his love that we're not just only children of God we're heirs to the promise so we're not just adopted as kind of yeah you'll do over there we're given everything that Jesus would have gotten we're loved we're cherished we're adored that God is for us and not against us that God will lavish his gifts on us if we ask of him he will give the Holy Spirit to us anything else? Raised in one, raised children, no longer slaves. Okay, so that's a few things about what has God said over us. What has God done? Everything <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything won't do. Oh, sure. What Slaven. has God done? Saved us. Paid the price. Paid the price.
1: Put our sins as far as the East is from the West. Yeah, come on.
0: Close the door on the door. Yeah. Washed us in his blood. Brilliant. Thank
1: you. Give us the
0: Holy Spirit. Yeah. Sorry. Give us the Holy Spirit. Does (laughs) he forgive (laughs) us? Yeah. Absolutely. That's the thing you see. This is... These sort of questions actually start to unpack what we will face in the world. These are, these are day-to-day things we will face about. When You won't hear it as, as God really said, but you'll start, you know deep down that's the question that's being, being at the kind of little thin end of the wedge to try and slam through the whole the next part to deviate from your vision. The things that, when we, when we start to be able to recall the things God has said over us, that actually does sing over us, he does rejoice over us, um, he loves us, he cherishes us, actually you, you start to feel yourself lift, Because you're aligning yourself with truth. Because you're aligning yourself with heaven's ways. You're saying actually the heaven, what God has declared is true. So when you say what has God done, it is finished. And even that phrase, when I say it is finished, I feel the Holy Spirit move. Because that is absolute rock solid truth. It's not partly done. It's not almost done. It's not Jesus is coming back tomorrow to finish off his work. Um, it is finished. Everything that needed to be done was done at the cross. Everything that needed to be done was actually done from the moment Jesus uh, and the Father and Son and Holy Spirit conceived the world. Um, Jesus' ministry started then. It didn't start when he entered the world. It's a ministry of reconciliation from the very beginning. Uh, What God has done is invaded our world, lived a life, and saved us. It's done. So where is God now? Yes, I in would us. say it's it. in, in, us. Us. in us. Through us. Yeah. In us. On us. In us. <laughs> All the other in us, in on us. us. <laughs> yes, he's with us. Okay, I talked last week about often, I, I still find it, but there's a thing that you, you kind of often feel that your prayers hit the ceiling. You're kind of praying up there and hoping God hears. Um, and I used in, actually what you need to remember is God's right next to me. So even if they do hit the ceiling, they still bounce back and forth to him.
1: Lexi told me last week, she, yeah. said, she told me that um, God lived in her heart, but he sometimes came out of her heart to fight the baddies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, we will go with that as a three-year-old. yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Let's stick with that. Use your scripture? How old is she? Three. Three.
0: yeah. Oh. yeah. So, she, she, at the moment, she sees Jesus quite well. Yeah, and then she told, she told me Jesus is there.
1: This was in the prayer room last week. And she said, Jesus is just standing there. And I said, OK. Yeah. Um, she's got, well, this is totally off the point. But she has, uh, when she was just short of one, she had a um, seizure and had to go to hospital. In an ambulance, she was fine by the time the ambulance had come, all of that. But uh, she told me sometime, well, probably in the last few months, so significantly a long time after, she won't have any memory of it any conscious memory of it but she saw an ambulance and she said I went in the ambulance um, when I was a baby and Jesus sat next to me um, so that's a, you know that's not a,
0: no, she a, that's not that. a
1: conscious memory that's a, something that's different yeah yeah, anyway, that's it. yeah it's
0: so God, God is with us now God is here, God is with us, God is moving by spirit. Put the song. <laughs> 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 um, so, so, where is Satan? Where yeah, is Satan? Yeah, That's is a good So, thing. like, if, you know, God is with us, yeah. Satan yeah. is as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. No. So, it's the good and evil, really. Um, so, there is, God can be everywhere because of the Holy Spirit is uh, only present. And Satan is confined to a certain location. Where it is, I don't know, particular things. He has a certain number of uh, demonic angels that will move around and influence things wherever possible. But he's limited by what he can do. The Holy Spirit has free access to his world and his his, um, creation, if you like. So there there may well be places where the demonic will be more active. Um, There may well be places where it can feel odd or there's a coldness in places. Um, But they have to flee the moment we talk about Jesus have to flee the moment Jesus is mentioned. Right. Uh, they cannot stand the name of Jesus, so that's what we talk talking about to you at, at Refields, but actually if there's things that scare you, actually mm. we teach, teach our kids, actually just say the name of Jesus. Mm. Get the name of Jesus out there, because everything has to, has to has to bow to the name of Jesus, because that's mm. what the cross has done, Jesus he's finished. Jesus has won the victory over Satan. So as we talk about all these things, it's important not to be fearful. It's important to remember that we are rooted in Christ. We cannot be moved from that. Um, we're going to sing at the end, before the throne of because that talks actually about the fact that this is what it's about. Even when Satan comes to tempt me to despair, upward mm. I, I look, uh, and it's all about Jesus. Um, so yeah, he will be—he's he, somewhere. There's you know various different conspiracy theories about where he will be. North North Korea is quite a, uh, a probability <laughs> oh, quite high at the moment. I think that you know I could buy into that North Korea one with. Just the sheer amount of persecution and stuff that's going on there. That would be a thing, but I won't get too distracted on there. We're going to end this a little bit. We're talking about John 20. So we're going to turn there. Um, and a little distinction. Next week's Pentecost. Um, and I just want to make a little bit of distinction about Holy Spirit. John 20. And I'm going to be reading from... Where is it? Yes, uh, from 19. Sorry. Thank
1: oh, okay. you. Yes. You knew I was
0: going. I going think there. you might be going. Yes. John 20:19. So this is just after the resurrection. Uh, it's on the same day, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, that's the the and disciples are meeting behind locked doors because they're afraid of Jewish leaders. Just on that point, this is the bit where the disciples are scared and behind locked doors. Okay, they're not behind locked doors and scared at Pentecost. Because of what happens here, okay. There's a distinction. They're not behind. They're not in a locked room at Pentecost, um, as some children's Bibles talk about. Um, they're actually part of the worshiping community and, and freely moving about. But here, they're scared. So that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his side and his hands. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I right, say, again he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But so I said, this is the bit where they're scared. This is the bit where they have no clue what's going on. Um, they might have got some sort of no news about Jesus. He's possibly alive, but they are fearing for their lives. So they are scared and in there. And Jesus says to them twice, peace. And to me, it goes straight back to when Jesus talks about the wind and the waves. Um, he says, peace be still to the wind and the waves. And there's a li- I think there's a link there in terms of actually he's talking to, to them, but he's also talking to their environment. Because they were so scared, so fearful, they were creating a culture that was fearful and scared. They were locked behind things. So Jesus speaks, I think specifically, peace almost to, to them uh, individually. And then the room piece as well. And I think the room bit actually speaking to the principalities and powers to say, you're not welcome here. There's a, a thing here about individually, peace, and a, a decoration over the, over the room. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and this for me is when they received the Holy Spirit. It's quite obvious. He breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. The second, so this feeling, if you like, this initial thing is the, almost the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we say yes to Jesus. When we first say yes to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit in us for us. This is, this is the receiving of the Holy Spirit to understand that they were forgiven. That everything they thought had got wrong, everything they may have messed up um, was now being righted, if you like. The... Baptism is The second baptism, if you like, that happens in Acts, in Pentecost, next week, (laughs) um, in our church calendar. But next week is the on them for the rest of the world. So the Holy Spirit is in us for it, in us for us, and on us for the rest of the world. And the Holy Spirit comes on us that we may work in power, that we may bless people, that we may speak of God's grace, that we may tell of his audacious, amazing grace. But the Holy Spirit works in us first that we understand we're forgiven, that we understand our position, that we understand we're loved. And that's the, and one of, I think, it must be a joy in the Holy Spirit to do that, to be able to tell these people, like uh, it said in, in Psalms, that God is delighted in you because you're now whole in Christ. He's Delighted in you because you're forgiven. Um, so this is, this is, for me, is quite key in our understanding of our discipleship, that, that God's primary, almost first thing he deals with is in us is understanding we're forgiven, is understanding we're loved, understanding we're chosen. Because once we realise whose we are, um, we can start telling the world. Because we know that God is for us and not against us. He lavishes his grace and love on us. So we can actually start to recall what God has said, what God has done, and where God is now. So when Satan comes and tempts us to despair, we can look up and see Jesus and know we're forgiven, know that grace has come. And we're going to worship in song now, and I'm going to pray first, actually, that in this time of song worship, in this time of worship, that God reveals again afresh how forgiven you are, how forgiven we all are, how much he loves us, how much he chooses us all the time. God continues to choose us, God continues to honour his word that we're forgiven, God continues to bless us, to speak peace over us, that we may be forgiven and understand we're forgiven. We now have peace with God. Um, that was in Romans 5. Now that we have been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the peace of God in us. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank you for all he has done. If you do this, you experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And we have peace with each other. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So we're going to worship. So you can stand, you can sit, you can dance. Um don't know, I'll have to bend at that point, but that's what he stands in. I'm going to yeah, put the music on, and then we're going to see what God would do amongst us. We've got a bit of time as we worship together.